Matthew 24. We're going to begin with verse 34. And we'll read through to Matthew 25, verse 30. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers, buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. 
His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again as we have already in this service, as we are in the habit of doing when we turn to your word. We thank you for it. We thank you for your precious words, Lord. We know are given for our instruction and for our growth. And we pray, Lord, that you would be pleased to bless us with that growth and instruction as now we look to you and we ask, Lord, that you would not only teach us, but that we would hear your lovely voice and that you would apply this uh, word to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. As we continue our study in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, we need to remember something that I emphasized last week. And it's easy as you get further and further away uh, from Matthew 21, verses 1, 2, and 3, uh, to lose track of what's going on here. You'll recall at the end of Matthew 23, Jesus had pronounced uh, certain judgment on Jerusalem. And uh, this caused the disciples, you know, to begin to, to, to wondering about this. And they're looking at the temple complex, and they're looking at the buildings. And we talked about those massive stones that are uh, stacked on top of one another, and uh, they... They, uh, upon exiting Jerusalem, they uh, call this complex to Jesus' attention. And uh, uh, Jesus looks at the buildings and says, you see these, there will not be one stone uh, left upon another. And uh, if we can put ourselves in the disciples' shoes, uh, uh, one question is certainly gonna, is going to come to the forefront of it all. We're going to want to know when. Uh, and you'll remember they ask three questions. When will these things be? That is, when will the destruction of the temple complex take place? Two, what will be the sign of your coming? And three, what will be the sign of the close of the age? Now, uh, it's good for us to continue to go back and look because Matthew 24 and 25 is a response to these questions. We, we, we don't want to look at these chapters out of context. They're a response to uh, these questions. Now, last week we stopped at verse 34. Let's pick up at that verse uh, this morning. Uh, verse 34, if you'll look at that with me now, it's, it's been the subject of a lot of criticism. Uh, there's a lot of skeptics that will say, look, Jesus said this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Now, uh, they'll interpret all these things as uh, Jesus' uh, certain return. And what they'll often do is say, well, you know, that uh, Jesus didn't return in the lifetime of this original audience. So you see, Jesus is, uh, he's no savior. He can certainly not be the, the son of God. And I don't know if anyone's ever heard those objections before. 
Um, they, they're very common, uh, actually. Uh, this is one of uh, uh, the, the favorite texts of the, uh, the skeptic. Now, uh, this approach has plainly taken one of the most difficult passages in the whole Bible and putting a skeptical spin on it and using it to discredit Jesus. Um, last week, we saw that there are several approaches, several interpretations, uh, ways that verse 34 here could be understood. Uh, I'll tell you how I understand the passage. You know, Jesus is asking, is answering several questions here, right? Namely, when is the temple complex going to be destroyed? Uh, what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign of the close of the age? Well, obviously, Jesus did not return within the time frame of this generation. Uh, so uh, these things refer certainly to the destruction and fall of Jerusalem. We can be certain of that. Um, uh, and it, really, Jesus has foretold these events with some incredible accuracy, actually. Um, and these things also refer to the signs of this present age, which is marked with persecution. It's marked with uh, wars and uh, uh, rumors of wars. It's marked with pestilence. It's marked with natural catastrophes. Um, the disciples would have seen all of this. Uh, they would have seen all of this. But however we take this passage, we do well to look at verse 35. Look at verse 35 with me. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My words will not pass away. So if our interpretation of what Jesus says here leads to his being proved to be a false teacher, then our interpretation of what Jesus said here is clearly at fault. Um, in other words, uh, the problem is not with Jesus. Uh, amen? Now, concerning verse 6, I believe Jesus is clearly referring to his second coming. And if you remember last week, I told you the difficulty here as we go through these verses is trying to discern uh, when Jesus is speaking of what. When is he speaking of the fall of Jerusalem? When is he speaking of the, 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 uh, the, the close of the age? When is he speaking of his uh, return? It, it, the difficulty lies in setting, uh, uh, sorting this out. I believe he's clearly referring to his second coming in verse 36. He says, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Um, that's a striking statement, isn't it? I can remember reading that uh, statement many years ago and just scratching my, my head. Uh, uh, okay, I got it. The angels don't know the day or the hour. I'm all right with that. But, but Jesus doesn't know the day or the hour? Well, that's, that's what he's saying here, isn't it? He's saying that the Son doesn't even know the day and the hour. But then we'll ask this question. Well, wait a second. God, Jesus is God in the flesh, right? Uh, the New Testament is very clear about that. Jesus claimed, claims to be God. Okay, if Jesus is God, how can he not know uh, the day or the hour of his return? How in the world can he not know this? Well, the answer to this actually leads us into, into a deeper mystery than that. Uh, but uh, let's go there because it's, it's a lot of fun, actually, if you, especially if you like deep mysteries. Um, the New Testament sets forth two truths. One, Jesus is fully human. And two, Jesus is fully God. And sometimes when we're reading the Gospels, one or the other of these truths is being emphasized. For example, when we read the Gospel of John and we get to John chapter 8, and Jesus is discoursing with the Pharisees, and he makes this statement, he tells the Pharisees that before Abraham was, I am. What is Jesus doing? 
He is claiming to be God. Make no mistake about it. They wanted to stone him because they understood him very clearly. He was claiming to be God. Now, if he wasn't God, then that was blasphemy. It was a capital offense. And in that particular text, John, the author of the gospel, is emphasizing the divinity of Jesus. And we have many texts that emphasize the divinity of Jesus. Uh, We come to other texts, for example, Luke chapter uh, 2 and verse 40, where we learn that Jesus grew and became strong. Or if we looked at... uh, uh, Luke 8.23, Matthew 4.2, John 19.28. If we look those verses up, we'd see that Jesus is said to have become tired. He's become, he is said to become hungry. He is said to become thirsty. Very clearly, these verses are making reference to the humanity of Jesus, which is an important doctrine. We have to get that. If we're going to get salvation and have a, and have a, a, a sound understanding of the salvation that's been uh, accomplished for us in Christ Jesus, we've got to get that humanity. And those verses teach us that humanity, as does the verse we've come to this morning. Verse 34, at this point in time in redemptive history, Jesus, as per his humanity, did not know the day and hour of his return. Now, I told you this leads into a deeper mystery. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully man, yet he is only one person. Now, how does all that work? (laughs) I could go just a little bit further than this, but I won't this morning. It's a subject for another day, and I certainly won't speculate on it, but I'll tell you what I do. I just stand in awe of it. Uh, I I don't really understand that, and I don't uh, believe any of us uh, really do. I just stand in awe of it. Jesus moves on to describe his coming in verses 37 to 39. He says it'll be like the days of Noah. Everyone will be eating and drinking. It'll be business as usual. Uh, Then when no one's expecting it, Jesus will return. Verses 40 to 41, he says, two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other will be uh, left. Uh, Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken, one left. Now look at verse 42. See the word therefore? Uh, We've come across that word before, right? It's a conclusion word, isn't it? That's when the author is coming to a conclusion. Therefore, in in other words, in lieu of these facts, in lieu of what has been said before, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And that's the point. That's the point. Stay awake. Look at verse 43, where he's arguing, he's making his case to stay awake. If the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. He would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, verse 44, there's that concluding word again. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man's coming in an hour you do not expect. The point of all of this, stay awake, be ready. That's the point here. Now, a question that should be on our minds naturally is, uh, okay, uh, how do we do that? What exactly do you mean, Lord? How how do we stay awake? What must we do to to be prepared? How do we do this? Well, that's exactly what comes next. Remember, all through this series, when we started in chapter 1 of Matthew, it's been, I don't know how long, I need to look. We've been in Matthew a long time. 
I've, I've, as best of my ability, I've tried to show you how one piece connects to the next piece and how the next piece connects to the next piece and how this whole thing fits together. Well, that's how these parables fit together with what Jesus is saying uh, earlier in Matthew 24. These parables, the purpose of these parables is to flesh out what it means and what it looks like to stay awake and to be ready. Jesus is a, a master teacher, and one of his favorite ways of communicating is through the parables. And as we look at each one of these, which we'll do kind of quickly this morning, we're going to see that uh, staying awake and being ready involves being faithful, it involves being prepared, and it involves being diligent. Uh, let's take them in the order. If you look uh, starting with verse 45, uh, the first parable, it begins with a question. Jesus says, who then is the faithful? The subject is faithfulness here. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his house to give them their food at the proper time? Um, then he begins to tell a story of a man who appoints one of his servants to care for his estate. And the servant's assignment, among many other things, uh, is to see that the other servants are fed at the appointed time. And then Jesus uh, throws out a hypothetical uh, that if, uh, uh, if uh, his master seems to be delayed for a long period of time, if there seems to be a delay and uh, this uh, servant decides to begin mistreating uh, the other servants and then begins uh, carousing with drunkards and eating with um, the old word wine bibbers keeps coming to mind if you're familiar with the King James translation at all, uh, um, what's going to happen? What will happen? Jesus tells us. He says the, uh, the, servant will, or the master will show up at a time when uh, uh, he doesn't expect and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is a figure of speech that depicts severe judgment. Now, verse 46 summarizes one aspect of posture, uh, of staying awake. If you look at verse 46, he says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. See the word blessed there? We encountered that word before, way, way back in Matthew 5, didn't we? In the Beatitudes. Uh, blessed, we said way back then it meant happy. Uh, we could say verse 46, we wanted to, if we wanted to translate it loosely, if we wanted to paraphrase it, we could say happy is the servant who remains faithful to the assignment he's been given. So we see faithfulness. Here Jesus is preparing his church for a delay. A delay in his return and staying awake involves being faithful. This is a good message for us, you know, and it, 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 we've been at this now, some of us for, um, a few of us for, this is going into our seventh year here and trying and, and planting this church. And uh, we're at an exciting time right now because we see lots of things happening. There's all kinds of, God's really been answering a lot of prayers. We see all kinds of things happening. Uh, we, we see a number of people that are interested in this ministry and, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just overjoyed by the interest we have in studying the Shorter Catechism on Wednesday nights. I mean, 23 people showing up the first night was just tremendous. So we're, in a, we're in a period of time right now where this is exciting. But some of us could say, you know, it hasn't always been like that. <laughs> We've gone through some periods of time where it was less than exciting. And uh, it's during those times where it's really hard to be faithful. It's during those times where we need this word, you know. Um, 
I think for my own self, if I, you know, I was just talking to Donald earlier before the service began. I was, I'm very thankful for the candidness of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, where he would speak about prayer being one of the most, one of the hardest things to do. Uh, some of us have been gifted with the gift of intercessory prayer, and it's something you just naturally do. But uh, for many of us, prayer is, it seems like it, as soon as we turn around, we're neglecting that duty of prayer. Uh, and uh, this posture of faithfulness involves prayer. It involves that. Uh, so we need this word uh, uh, from the Lord to... Um, uh, to, uh, to, to move us uh, to this posture of faithfulness. We could say a lot about this. Let's move on uh, to the next one, uh, uh, which will begin in chapter 25. And 25, Jesus tells us another parable, the parable of what's been called the ten bridesmaids. If you look at verse 1 with me, he says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Verse 2, five of them were foolish, five were wise. For five of them brought extra oil with them. For without the oil, the lamps, uh, their lamps would actually be useless. You know, we, we, we just flip on our, our uh, uh, flip the switch and the lights come on. But that is certainly not the uh, case back in the first century. Uh, I'm really thankful that uh, we have our light switches. So, uh, you, you needed to carry oil around with you. And you need to carry around these, uh, these, these lamps um, we're told that five of these women brought extra oil with them. Uh, without oil, their lamps are, are useless. Now, the, uh, we're told in the story that the bridegroom is delayed. We're told that they become drowsy, they fall asleep, uh, but then their sleep is interrupted with the announcement that uh, the bridegroom is, is here. And uh, so they immediately rise and they begin to trim their lamps. Now, this is not a problem for the ones who are prepared uh, they add the oil to their lamps, they trim their lamps, they're ready to go. But this is a big-time problem for those five women who aren't prepared. Um, they don't have any oil. So they ask the ones who are prepared for oil, give us some of the oil, give us some oil. Well, the, 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 the five women that came prepared didn't come prepared for everyone. They came prepared uh, for themselves. Now, there's a lesson in that as well. We'll look at another time. Uh, but they're unable to to give any oil up. So they instruct the five foolish ones to uh, go uh, purchase yourself some, some oil and uh, hightail it back here as fast as you can. So off they go. Uh, they leave. Uh, verse 10, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Sometime later, the foolish return and say, Lord, Lord, open to us. But they receive a chilling response in verse 12. Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Uh, that sounds really familiar to a chilling word that we have way back in Matthew 7, doesn't it? For though in the last day there'll be people who come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord. And uh, those chilling words that the people will hear. Uh, Depart from me for I don't know you. Um, these are scary passages. Uh, Jesus concludes saying, watch, see the word therefore. He's making a conclusion. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Here another aspect of staying awake becomes very clear. It's getting prepared and staying prepared. Getting prepared and staying prepared. How do we get prepared? Uh, through faith in Christ. 
It's through faith and trust in Jesus. When should we put our faith and trust in Jesus? Right now. Why would we want to wait till tomorrow? Uh, Why would we want to wait another day? Uh, If we do, the only answer is very simple. It's because we love our sins. We want to give another day in our sins. But why would we want to do that if we were in our right mind? Uh, The hour, the day, the the moment is now. And that's how how we prepare. Uh, Jesus says, we don't know the day or the hour when Jesus will return. Uh, but even if he doesn't return in our lifetime, we, we're still, uh, upon death, we're going to be in his presence. Uh, and at that point, the door is shut. Uh, we're either prepared or we're not prepared. So you see, there's a powerful word here for us. It involves being faithful. It involves being prepared. And next, we see it involves being diligent. In verse 14 of Matthew 25, Jesus tells us another parable. It's about a businessman, if you will. He goes on a journey. And uh, probably most of us are familiar with the parable. He, uh, he divides his property up among three of his servants. And to one, he gives five talents. Uh, a talent uh, would, could have been in the form of coinage. It could have been in the form of, of gold or silver or bronze, any precious metal. Um, Jesus doesn't tell us that that point is really uh, not important. Uh, But one servant receives five talents, which would have been a very large sum of money. Another uh, servant receives two, and a third uh, receives a single talent, and then the master goes away. If you look at verse 16, we're told that the one who received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. Uh, The one who received the two talents did the same. Verse 18, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. He takes a different course, doesn't he? Verse 19, now after a long time, if if you notice this constant reference to delay, it's come up in each one of these, hasn't it? I waited till now to bring that to your attention because I think you... You know, you're all sharp. You're going to catch this. He's constantly making reference to delay. This is our answer to skepticism. If our hearts become skeptic, you know, wait a second. Jesus said he would return, or he said that all these things will take place before this generation passes by. I mean, if we want to think, even for a second, if our heart even wants to go there for a second in skepticism and say Jesus didn't know what he was talking about, Well, look at this delay. It seems to me that all over the place he's communicating to us there's going to be a delay in the return. I I think this was really important for the disciples because I think in the minds of the disciples we have very good reason to think that if this temple complex is going to be destroyed, that's going to be the close of the age right there. That's going to be the end. I I think if we were the disciples, we would have thought like that. If we're going to destroy the temple, that's going to be it. That's going to be the consummation of the whole kingdom. And I think what Jesus is doing here is he's he's lovingly saying, listen, this is going to go on for a while. This is going to take a little while. My return is not going to be right away. So I think that's a good answer if our hearts become skeptic. That's a good answer. Jesus is making it clear. He's not going to be returning uh, anytime uh, soon. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. A servant with the five talents brought... The original five with five more. The master commends him. If you look at verse 21, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. uh, The master says to him, 
Uh, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You see those verses? The servant with the two talents does the same. He receives the same commendation. Then along comes the third servant who had just received a single talent. If you look at verses 24 and 25, he returns the talent to his master and says, quote, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Uh, it's an interesting address there, isn't it? Notice how the servant talks to his master. I knew you to be a hard man. You see that? You reap where you don't sow and you gather where you don't scatter any seed. Is, is this a true assessment of the master? The parable teaches otherwise. I mean, did the master not give out the, the talents according to the abilities of each one? He didn't place a burden on uh, any of these three servants that they were incapable of bearing. And uh, he has sowed. Uh, that's where the talents came from. Uh, William Hendrickson is really helpful here. He, I have a, a fairly lengthy quote here from him. I usually don't like to use lengthy quotes, but I think this one's easy to follow. He writes, quote, In order to invent an excuse from his own dereliction of duty, this fellow has the audacity to accuse his master of being hard. It's often the case, isn't it, when we're in, uh, not tending to our duties, how we sometimes make uh, excuses that attack uh, others around us. Um, he has the audacity to accuse his master of being hard, that is, unrelenting, harsh, merciless, stern, one who exacts more than he has a right to exact when the servant tells his master. You are reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. He's lying. He's simply lying. It's just not true. This particular employer was not at all like Pharaoh, who without giving the Israelites straw, demanded that he make as many bricks. Or like Rehoboam, who said, My father chastised you with whips, I'll chastise you with scorpions. This master in assigning tasks had mercifully figured with each man's capacity. And as to whether he had all sowed and scattered, the answer is that he certainly did. Namely, when he distributed his talents among the three servants. So now he had every right to reap and gather. End of quote. Much could be said here. Um, a lot could be said here. But my point is, and I, what I really want to show this morning, is how this parable fleshes out what it means to be ready, to stay awake. Uh, and obviously it's pointing to diligence. It's pointing to diligence. Jesus concludes the parable, verses 29 and 30. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 30, cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Another quote from R.C. Sproul. He says, quote, When Jesus returns and sits in judgment, those who have not served him will lose everything with which they were entrusted. And they will be cast in the outer darkness, for they are unprofitable servants. But those who have served him well will be given very much more. They will enter into joy of the Lord Jesus. End of quote. You know, here we see the importance of diligence. Uh, part of staying awake involves being diligent with the talents that God has given us. And there's, there's a risk of misunderstanding what's going on here. Uh, it's not diligence for diligence' sake. 
Uh, it's not diligence. Uh, uh, so, some of us may be very diligent, but are we diligent for Christ? That's the question. Uh, are we serving Jesus? You know, we might even be diligent for the sake of our families, uh, but that's not even what's in view here. Um, uh, not diligence for the sake of our family, for our family's sake. What's in view here is diligence uh, in service to the master. Who is the master? Obviously, that master is Christ. Uh, the idea of being diligent for him. Uh, and this diligence makes use of all the opportunities doing good, caring for the welfare of those who are around you. It's using our time, money, and talents and energies for the welfare, greater good of God's kingdom for his glory. Uh, it's a scary word. Uh, I, I, I know a lot of people that, um, that, that pay lip service to Jesus, whose really their lives reflect very little in terms of service for him. Um, this is a scary word. It's a very scary word. But I, I don't want to soften this in any way, but I, I want to conclude by saying this. As we look at these things, if we're sober as we look at these things, um, we're going to see all kinds of areas in our lives where we have failed at this. And uh, we have to remember God's grace in these kinds of instructions. None of us are capable of perfection with this, are we? But as we look at our hearts, is, is there a striving in this direction? Are we striving in that direction? That's the question to be asking ourselves. Are we striving to be faithful? Are we striving to be prepared? Are we striving to be diligent? Don't ask yourself the question, are you perfect at it? I'll answer that for you now. And as I'll answer it for me first, and then I'll answer it for you second. I, the answer is no. The answer is no. no. That's not the point of this. No, perfection awaits the next life. The point is this, is there a striving? Is there a striving towards this? There are all kind of failures in each one of our lives. We could, we could talk about that all day long. Yes, what do we do about the failures that are in our lives? We, we go to the cross in repentance about those failures, and we put those failures behind us. But what do we do about the future? Well, here, stay awake. Be prepared. Be diligent with the things that God has given us. May he give us his grace to increase this for his glory. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at this word, as we look at what you're teaching, Lord, we are uh, probably all of us here thinking of areas in our lives where uh, there certainly is uh, far less than perfection in these areas. And uh, we might even look in our lives and see that, the, you know, there really isn't any striving either. Oh, Lord, I pray that if that's the case, Lord, that uh, you would give us grace to repent and turn, that that repentance would take place now, that, we would, that we'd, make that, uh, we'd make that determination before we get up from our seats. As we look at our lives and we see that... Uh, there's certainly many failings in them, Lord. May we do the same. May we look to you, O Lord, for cleansing uh, for all of those things. Uh, Father, we, uh, we look to you, O Lord, for the grace. And I pray, O Lord, that you would fill our hearts with uh, 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 the grace of forgiveness, to know that, Lord, we uh, can certainly be washed in Christ Jesus. So, O Lord...
We look to you, O Lord, and we pray, O Lord, for, uh, for cleansing, and we pray, O Lord, for the grace that we would strive in faithfulness and, and uh, preparedness and diligence. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Yeah. 